there's no way that that's not going to come through the floor of an elevator. Oh, absolutely not. I, that's the first thing I thought of. Well, I lost you. in the garage i'm cory Culp. i'm freddie womp today we continue our 90s action man uh action action man i'm gonna say action man, man of action man of action series <laughs> well do we need to put a 90s action movie with a female lead in it what's uh what was that what was that one uh actress's name the one what about what about john badham's point of no return dude yes okay we're gonna squeeze that in between now and the end of this series which doesn't seem to have an end <laughs> no it doesn't because april might go on forever we don't know Stars is our best friend these days. Cause Dude, I told you, right? It's like fucking, it's like a 1990s video store in there. Today we got the awesome, and you knew something like this was coming, Steven Seagal in Marked for Death. You know what I appreciate mostly about all these early Steven Seagal movies? They were just three-word titles. Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Marked for Death, Out for Justice, Out for Ice Cream, whatever, man. Seagal was like the guy. I mean, obviously he got to the ice cream later <laughs> totally. obviously he really stretches his acting muscles in this by playing a dea agent right because he's never done such a thing before named this, john hatcher this is only hatch his, right this is only his third movie you know right above the law so he came onto the scene you know with his eyes blinking every time he pulled a trigger of a gun <laughs> seems like a professional right yeah it's scary <laughs> it's the noise Corey. You know, and this is his follow up to Hard to Kill, which I don't want to say it's my favorite, but it's got my 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 favorite musical cue in any movie where it ends. Dun, 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 dun. I'm like, it just totally steals from Aliens or Terminator. Terminator Two, excuse me. Yeah, I'll, I'll make that edit. Anyway, back to the silly ass movie. This movie starts the way most action movies start. They kind of take a cue from Lethal Weapon Two. Yep, just drop you into the middle of the just movie. Drop you in the right, be, right in the middle of a, a pursuit, foot chase. Yeah, foot chase, and it looks like. Uh, do they even say? Is there any superimposition saying it's Colombia? We're just supposed to. No, assume? there's not. I think we're. I see, but I don't know if it's supposed to be Colombia or because I feel like don't they go back there at the end and they're fighting with Jamaicans? It's the same village oh. later at the end of the movie. So I'm not sure where it's supposed to be. Is it the same? No, it's not the same. No, 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 no. When they go. When, when Keith he, David shows up in his short shorts and his, oh, his no, no, Panama no. hat. They're definitely by water, though, I thought. No, but they definitely return to that town a second time because they have to have their meetup. Right. And that's when. Oh, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves well, Let's get here. there later. <laughs> but so, so anyway, our, our DA agent, John Hatcher, is pursuing this guy. And Danny Trejo. Danny, it's Danny Trejo. Danny, this, yeah. is, this movie 1990. This guy. This is early Trejo. Baby face Trejo. If there was such a thing. Right. I mean, yes. He was probably 50 at the time, but yes. <laughs> but this is the first moment uh, that we see something that we are going to talk about in great uh, detail and ad nauseum. 
is the way Steven Seagal runs in this movie. Right. He he looks very much like Usain Bolt, right? Is what you're getting at? His <laughs> He may run as fast as Usain Bolt when maybe Usain <laughs> Bolt was eight, but he does this thing <laughs> with his arms that are it's indescribable. Other Dude. than if you've ever seen friends, he runs like Phoebe. That's what he runs <laughs> like. If you see, if you haven't seen Friends, that's it. I'm going to look for a clip of a Phoebe running in Friends, and I'm going to put it in the show notes because it's. I hope it's there because it's wonderfully terrible and it really says all you need to say. So when you see Mark for Death, you're going to be like, "Oh my God!" But he does it at all times. And what did I say to you earlier? If he's doing anything other than a slow crawl, he's doing something weird with his arms or his yeah, hands. Man. It's really bizarre. I'm not sure if, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's super noticeable. I mean, obviously, I mean, even in like above the law and everything, I mean, the thing is the gall had going for him to me is like that quiet, cool. Like when he's delivering his lines and shit, like I'm totally down, but the moment he starts getting physical, other than the fact that he's a total badass and like, well, just, I mean, those short moves, but it's like, it's, I'm dude, it looks like he's doing some sort of like, I'm not sure what is going on. Like I said, he looks like one of those things that, you know, you see at the, uh, we're having a giant car sale and you get the guy hooked up to the blower. <laughs> and, and, you know, I would just make them all look like Seagal. If I was a car dealership, I'd be like, come on in to the blowing Steven Seagal. Dude, it's, it's yeah. ridiculous. That it is thing. weird. But yeah. it, when it's happening, you're like, oh my God, what the hell? But then it kind of subsides. And next thing you know, even when he's just walking down a hallway, it's, <laughs> it's just weird. I'm going to say I never noticed it as much when I was younger, but like watching the movie uh, yesterday, I was like, good God, man. I mean, I just, cause I always thought it was just when he ran, he was funny, but it's, it, you know, it's there. He's just, you know, you know, but Hey, maybe that's, you know, part of his monkey style fighting. I don't know. It looks like something on a street fighter. <laughs> yeah. Right. When they're running this Colombian town, even his stunt man gets in on it. No. Why'd watch it again? Because just before, just right when he goes, rolls over the hood of the car, and then he takes off running after the guy again, they're using it. The stunt guy handles the roll and the running away, and you're going to wa watch it. It's so funny because he gets the arm thing down. He totally mimics him perfectly. It's great. That's hilarious. But uh, Hatcher has a partner that is also in pursuit of, of Trejo, and he makes this quick dive to try to catch him, and he misses him. As Trejo comes through this fence, he gets a clothesline by Hatcher himself. Boom, down he goes. He's some kind of informant for, for Hatcher and his partner. Yeah, he's a rat or he's something. He's something. <laughs> We're not sure. Right now, he's in the trunk. Right. And, and the, whole, the whole setup is like, you know, we still have to have the meeting Hatcher's insisting on. And his partner, Chico's like, dude, everybody just saw us running through town chasing after this guy. He's like, ah, bullshit. I'm, Nobody's going to notice. I, I'm, I'm John, especially him. I'm John Hatcher. Right. And I'm six foot four and I got a ponytail and I run funny, but nobody's going to pick me out of a lineup. <laughs> I'm just saying. So they still set up the meeting later on and because they're, they're there to make a drug deal. It's Columbia, right? Oh, yeah. What else happens in Columbia? And there's a there's a third guy in the mix here and because they, they go to a strip club to have this meeting. You know who I was expecting them to find inside that club? Who? Cash Bailey from Extreme Prejudice because it looks <laughs> like the same town that Cash Bailey ran <laughs> in Walter Hill's Extreme Prejudice. As soon as I saw the exteriors, I'm like, Oh, those are San Carina Mountains. Yeah, totally. Hey, look, there's a, wait, I see a Joshua tree. Uh, no. But yes. <laughs> so they go to the strip club. The only white guy in there enjoying the place is an older guy. Not old, old but just older. 
he comes up there. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're ready. Let's do this. Then, uh, some Columbia dude walks up and say, let's do this. Uh, let's do this. So off Chico and, and Hatcher go to go have this meeting and they're making their deal. You know, Hatcher says, I only got half the money. I've been doing this long enough. And this is how I walk away alive by not trusting somebody that I'm dealing with for the first time. And then it comes this dude starts whispering to the, to the Colombian dude's hat, you know, whispering to him and pulls out a gun. But this guy that comes in there and I, this is so weird too, right? How the guy comes in and whispers in his ear and say, Hey, this guy's this guy's a piece of shit. And he turns yeah. and shoots the guy he just told why did why even bother? Just shoot him. Right. Just walk in and shoot him. I mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, it was just such a weird, like, because I, I was like literally watching it, didn't take my eyes out, and I'm like, did he just shoot that guy? What the <laughs> yeah. fuck was that? Right. That was weird. Two of this guy's henchmen come up and you know, standing around Hatcher. And of course, just like uh, the same mistake that everybody makes in these movies is to get too close to their uh, prisoner, if you will. And that's just all he needs, man. You're close enough and I can grab your gun and beat your ass, which is what Hatcher does. He just turns on, he just grabs weapons and starts beating the shit out of people. Yeah, dude, he starts using all that kind of crazy, like, all that, like, wind-blowing fucking arms bullshit. And I mean, literally, you can see how it works. It's like water, man. Did we get our first uh, broken bone in this scene? We do. Yeah, there's it happens a lot in this movie. He breaks a lot of bones in this movie. A lot of bones, some legs, yeah. and some backs. We also get a throwback to Blind Fury later on, which I'll make sure that we uh, talk about. Yes, and when it happens, I was so excited. And I was like, oh, wow! It happens in that first club scene, right? When he Correct. Yeah. Yes, it does. When it happens, and I'm like, oh, man, that might even be the same prosthetic. <laughs> I do. That was the same hand, the prop guy. Proud guy from Drop Zone who had that uh, control box. <laughs> right. I also got a hand in here. Hold on. <laughs> he, he was he was very. Uh, he used to belong to a white cop. <laughs> We're just going to go ahead and get out the airbrush and paint this up a little bit. I'll take care of this before all hell breaks loose with this guy coming in there to let them know this guy's DEA. They bring in Trejo. I'm like, oh, he rolled on him, <laughs> dude. He just comes in like, fuck you guys. He's you know, he's like, oh, you two dicks. Right. You're right. He's just like looking at them both like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I spilled the fucking beans, dudes. So they, they, they go and pursue the guy that came in there. How do you say, I don't even know who that guy is either. They're making it, they're then they're making a deal with this drug dude, right? He's the, he's the man. But this other guy comes in there and kills him. We don't even know who that guy is. Anyway, so they chase after him, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And they're going down the whorehouse <laughs> to the whorehouse to get, to get back to them, which is where they went to, to begin with. Ew. They kind of, they went, yeah. they went down there to find it. And Chico. And Chico, it just turns pops his, in a door and pops in the door and, and he turns his head long enough to get shot by one of the well, prostitutes. Well, it's because she's standing there topless and he drops his eyes to her boobs. <laughs> oh no. And, he turns he turns to the left. He looks over at Hatcher. Oh, I thought he was just I thought I thought he was just standing there dumbstruck. <laughs> that would have been even better. No. He turns his head and then as he turns back, he gets he gets three in the chest. Then, right, and she slams the door, and then Hatcher shoots the fucking whole wall up. Right. Have you ever seen Steven Seagal take one singular controlled shot in any no, movie? Never. Doesn't matter if he's got a handgun or not. It's just like nope. minimum three shots are coming Empty out. Double tap that thing. But yeah, when he shoots through the door, dude, what eight shots to that door? And I'm like, and she's only got two holes in her. Yeah, he only hit her twice. <laughs> he just likes to waste a lot of lead. You're not on a gun range, dude. You don't have unlimited bullets. Yeah, it's on that's uh, if you look up Hatcher's dossier, dude, that's one of the things it says about him. Waste lots of lead. <laughs> waste ammo. 
his accuracy, uh, look, if he was on one of those videos, zombie hunting video games, his accuracy levels way, it's about 40%. <laughs> that good, huh? It may be. I'm, gonna, I'm just giving him 40. The irony is later on when they're prepping for their big showdown, he's like, he's like making his own rounds. And I'm like, I was laughing going, geez, dude, if you really made your own rounds, you wouldn't, you would be so, you'd be a lot more judicious about how you use them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's just Hatcher gets himself in a, you know, kind of locked down a position you know, where he's kind of going to get shot. And then boom, this guy gets killed. And the old man from inside the strip comes there to help him. Like, oh, he's DEA also. I thought he was just some white guy that was giving him some info. Nope. Some old friendly dude. No, yeah. no, no. Columbia is full of DEA agents. So they get to their escape vehicle, Hatcher, after they took care of that. They dispatched that other guy. They throw the, the briefcase into the trunk of the car, which doesn't have a lock on it, too, which is weird. Right. Into that fucking fabulous Monte Carlo. Right. But they stay on it so long that makes you think that that's going to come into play again. And it doesn't. It's just, <laughs> they just drive yeah, off. Yeah, right. It's a red herring. Next thing you know, we're in Chicago. Right. Yo, Chico's dead. John decides, you know what? I can't do this anymore. We're not getting anywhere. DEA sucks. I've had enough. I've had enough. I don't want to be on that list from drop down in so, a couple of years. <laughs> right. So I, I'm hanging it up. And then, of course, his boss is like, oh, don't do this to me. Hey, take a month off. Paid. Take two months off. Paid. But I can't lose you on this. Whatever. Chicago, though, man. Chicago looks very much like Los Angeles. It does look like Los Angeles. What is that about? Parts of it, anyway. Maybe we'll maybe we'll see something later on that kind of like signals that maybe it is Los Angeles up there. And maybe it's Chicago at the same time. It's both. It's both? <laughs> First and second unit. They just shot all the stunts, all that driving stuff, maybe. Who knows? We don't know. Yeah, as, as opposed to now that anytime you see a new Seagal movie that comes out, you know it's Serbia or something like that. Correct. Or, yeah, it's not here. <laughs> it's not L.A. or Chicago. No, he lost his whole North America rights after like exit wounds or something like that. Cause he did that half past dead. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> Three little words. Can you imagine, dude, you think they just threw like, do you think they just all took scraps of paper and they wrote words on them and threw them in a hat? And then like, you know, writers would just pull out a word and be like, okay, half. All right. Your turn. Right. Uh, past. Yeah. All right. Ooh, there sure. better be something good in this bowl. That works for me. Dead. Half, half, half past dead. Half past dead. It's perfect. So he makes his way back to Lincoln Heights in suburban Chicago where he grew up and goes to his sister's house. I'm guessing it's his sister's house, right? Or it's his right. mom, her mom's, is their mom's house. I don't it's know what it is. It's a party. There's, yeah, it's her mom's birthday or something, maybe? He knocks on Somebody's the, birthday. He knocks on the door and little Daniel Harris opens the door. Right. Right. Was this, this was before she was Bruce Willis's annoying daughter. The next year. Right. But she had done both Halloween 4 and 5 the year before that. Right. And don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Oh, yeah. So there you go. That's the, that's the, those are the high points. Then she turns and says, mom, somebody's here for you. There's some crazy looking man with a ponytail at the door. <laughs> There's some pervert at the front door. There's a Native American gentleman at the front door. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, John Hatcher. And then you hear, ah, oh, Johnny. 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 What was his sister's name? Uh, is it Rose? Is it Rose? I'll go with that. All I just remember that Daniel Harris is Tracy. That's all I remember. Right, Tracy. And then is, is his sister, isn't his sister's name Kate, right? Kate. Kate Hatcher. Kate Hatcher. Kate. Yeah. That sounds right. Kate. Kate. 
Kate. Yeah. Sister yeah. Kate. So they go in the backyard and they're, yeah, they're having some kind of party. And you see them again. Do they really say that that's their mom? She just, because he doesn't like kiss her on the cheeks. He's, he, doesn't, he doesn't like approach her like a mom. No, but she says something about, I've always got time for a handsome man. So I thought, I thought they were going to maybe make out for a second. Sweet. Didn't you? Maybe. It was that weird, like, and I'm like, is this his mom? Right. Or maybe it's or the mother did he bang this woman? <laughs> yeah. Not sure. She's, she's the neighborhood. Uh, I'll yeah, take care of your virginity. Yeah, totally. She was, she was my tutor back in when she was young. My tutor. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, I want to say something while I'm thinking about it. Uh, Basil Wallace that plays Screwface in the movie, the the the, yeah. the, the bad guy, he kind of goes a little, crosses the line a couple of times into kind of like over the topness. But overall, dude, he he's actually pretty good. in The movie, he's a theater actor, right? He's a stage guy. Mostly, yeah, but or was. I was I had no idea how much stuff he had done on television and everything uh, since that time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I remember him from that. But it's it's the contacts that he wears in the movie that throw you off because he doesn't look like yeah. that and other things. Obviously, no dread, no no dreadlock either. Anyway, some family party here and all. Welcome home. Yeah, I'm retired. Oh, blah blah blah. The only people that think he's retired and, and like are legitimately buying into the idea that he's done being a, a, an agent is his family. <laughs> Everybody or, else is like, oh bullshit. <laughs> everybody's like, yeah, look, dude, I, we already read the script. We know you're not retired. <laughs> Otherwise, the movie's over. Right, exactly. Otherwise, there's no reason for us to show up past right. this barbecue. Right, this barbecue is the end of another movie, if that's the case. Correct. <laughs> He's in his bedroom, right, looking at photographs and everything, and his old bedroom, which I thought was kind of weird, right? It, yes. It's still there, the, that's why, shrine that's to why John I, Hatcher. Right, that's why it's it's got to be his mom's place. Otherwise, why would, I, why would he have a room like that? Well, it has to be. So it's maybe, maybe, the, maybe it's like one of those... Sister's divorced, her husband's <laughs> yeah, dead. They're living with the mom daughter now. Live with mom. Right. That's but, how I took it. Sure, I'm with that. He's like scanning over photographs and things like that, right? And he comes across one photograph of of a younger version of him with with Keith David. It would look like he's like maybe military, probably Vietnam or something like that. Right. And then the last photograph that he sees is a Polaroid of Danielle, how she looks when she answered the door. Right. Like she shot it before she answered the door and put it in his room. <laughs> So <laughs> if he hasn't been there so long that everybody's like, oh, my God, time travel movie. <laughs> right. And how does she not know who the hell he is if that photograph is in his room? Yeah, correct. Weird. Yeah, I don't know. The other thing that struck me weird about his room was that weird culture club poster. That was odd. <laughs> Seemed out of place for John Hatcher. But hey, man, whatever. And what, by the way, what prompts him to look over to his left and see his little wall display of old handguns and such? And just go, hey, you know what? I'm going to grab this one off the wall and fix it. <laughs> or just the, the fact that they got a child in the house and there's a room that's got a handgun display. Right. Seems like, <laughs> seems that seems kind of bad. But, he, but hey, whatever. Man. Right. I wanted to point this out. He takes out this handgun and it's one of those hidden guns, like one of those one shot jobs where it fits in the, in the palm of a hand and you're just using, you just squeeze to pull the trigger on it. You just squeeze your hand like you're making a fist and. And basically, you could hide a weapon and, and kill somebody, or at least, you know, make him really sick. He takes this off the wall to work on it, and he takes out his little gun cleaning kit, and he decides to clean it right there. Oh, he, you know, he does this one adjustment with the with the screwdriver, and he's like, click, 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 and it's working again. You never see it again. 
I don't know what prompted him to do this other than to make the movie a little longer. Cause it is very, it's not a very long movie, like, like one thirty eight, one thirty seven, something like that. I forget what it is, but it's so weird to have it like that. You know what I'm saying? I do. Uh, th- that whole sequence in that bedroom is weird to me. It feels like it's a weird, I guess it's supposed to tell us a lot of the story without having to tell us a lot of the story, but it just seems so, uh, it, it just seems odd. All of it. Right. Scanning the photographs is fine. Don't put the Daniel Harris photograph there yeah. and, and don't have him do the gun. If that, if you're not going to see that gun come into play later, right? if that gun doesn't, if yes, why are we seeing that? Unless it got cut out somewhere there, who knows? But I mean, yes, it, it's, it's a weird thing because you never see it again. It's, it's a very James Bond kind of gun. Like, you know, it seems like something you'd see in the man with the golden gun. Right. <laughs> Hervé Villachet. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice? How many bags of, of luggage he has by the door when he comes in? Right. It's got like 10 things. Obviously, he's, he's well, maybe he really is retired. Yeah, well, he doesn't travel light, that's for sure. But he should have come in there, kind of like look around the room, kind of go, oh, yeah, my old room. And then scan the photographs again, no Daniel Harris, and then pick up the photograph of him and his army buddy and then cut to him to the next shot. The next scene, yeah. which should have been how you would have done that i don't know why they didn't do that but right. next thing you know he's at some uh you're assuming a local high school and there's a football ah, team practicing and i'm like oh football practice yeah. going on you see there's a montage of buses and cars and kids and then oddly some jamaicans and some jamaicans <laughs> what are those no good nicks up to right working on this white boy giving him some drugs cutting back and forth between hatcher and meeting up with his army buddy and they cut back, and now now the Jamaicans got some. They got that, yeah, that two white girls, some here. white girls there now. Smoking it's, crack with it's, them. It's just yeah, it's a crack girl. It'll make you want to fuck all night. <laughs> well, I'll try it. I was like, what? Jesus Christ! It's like sixteen-year-old girls. It's weird. She just like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> oh yeah, never done drugs ever, but I'll smoke some crack with these guys. Sure, these strangers. These two strange thirty-year-old Jamaican dudes. I mean, dude, it's funny to me, the Jamaican, this is the first time we see him. And I got to say, I kind of, I totally dig what they're wearing, but they look like they're all dressed out of like 1980s videos. Right. And a couple of, well, one of the guys is actually. They look like the extras from the bad video. Right. You don't see him in this scene, but you will see him later on. One of those actors is in the black and white video from Michael Jackson. Yeah. Well, with the, with the, with the morphing thing. Oh yeah. The face morphing. Yeah. He's one of those guys. And like you said, they're out, they look authentic. You know, they don't look like uh, some actors that they got just then dress them up. No. We'll get plenty of that kind of thing later. <laughs> yeah, we get a lot of that. But we'll get to that. If you couldn't tell from the photograph that they were scanning in his old childhood bedroom, his old army buddy is none other than Keith David. Yeah, man. And what a welcome surprise that was. It was like bonus. His his buddy Max, who's actually the football coach at the, the high school, which is funny. Uh, and they kind of allude to the fact that they both used to play football together too. Part of the things that you one of the things that you see in in John's room uh, when he's when he's there in the previous scene is that you see uh, his a helmet football. with a ponytail. Yeah, exactly. A little hole drilled out the back for him <laughs> to have his ponytail get out. <laughs> <laughs> you see his jersey there that says uh, uh, Lincoln Hatch. Hatch. Lincoln, right? Lincoln Heights HS. Oh, high school. Is that what that means? Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank God for pointing that out. <laughs> so ridiculous. Anyway, so 
they're all super excited to see each other and they're walking back to the, the, the big Bronco, full size Bronco back in the day when they had those things. I think it's a power wagon. This is a Dodge power wagon. Is it a Dodge? Ass. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Frisbee Kleenex scenario here and use the use a, a different brand name for it. It's fine. Yeah, man. It's fine. People know it as a Bronco because nobody would know what the fucking Dodge Power Wagon is. What? But they're walking back and he's and Max is looking over and seeing the Jamaicans smoking crack with the kids. The kids get up and boot. They bail. He's just giving them a look. But before they run off, Patrick's just going, "Ah, let it go," and pat him on the back. "Ah, let it go, man. Let it go. Kids will be kids. Let them smoke crack. It's fine. <laughs> let them smoke the rock. It's let okay. Let them smoke the rock. Thinning the herd. So come on, don't let's go, Max. We got beer to drink. Flattening the curve. <laughs> oh shit. Oh my gosh. By the way, I think it's completely funny. It's it's obviously his car. It's 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 Max's truck, right? Because yes. because we know that that Hatcher's got a, a Mustang, a black right. Mustang. But later on, Seagal walks to this to to the truck more than one time, and he ends up driving it like it's his car. Oh yeah. Even though Max is right there with them, it's so weird. Next time we see them, they go to a nightclub celebrating the reunion right oh yeah go to well it's like a bar right like right. what it looks like right a big wide shot of it but in between that time the colombians and the jamaicans have a meeting oh yeah the two heads our guy Screwface, and uh what was it a cat's name tito barco tito barco played by al israel so they have their little colombian jamaican meeting Screwface, the head of the jamaican posse <laughs> posse posse <laughs> Posse on Broadway. That's ridiculous. Posse up. They don't, nobody said posse up, which I call bullshit on. Right. What the hell? If you're going to go there. Go there. Basically, they make the deal with, with the Colombians and say, hey, look, you know what? You're going to move all of our powder and all of our rock. And you're going to get 20%. He's like, oh, let me think about it. And off he goes. But the next time we see Tito, he's with some sangria teacher. Yeah, right? That weirdo Santeria, the woman with the chicken. Yeah. I had to say the sangria thing as a joke. No, I, dude, I, I thought you were, I thought you were right at first. And then I was like, sing, then I was like, did he say sangria? <laughs> yeah, I was just making a joke. No, it was good. Cause I was like, I didn't want to say sangria. Cause I was like, <laughs> there was a whole, there was a whole, there, you do, if you could send the scene inside my head, you would have known you just totally fucked me up. So I'll just say this though. Sangria, sangria. I don't practice either. <laughs> <laughs> no, me either, man. And you know, if you can, you know, you can cook with sangria and santeria because you're using chicken, I guess. Technically, so. yeah. Wine and chicken. But Tito's gone to this to this Colombian witch doctor essentially, and she wants to put a curse on Screwface, oh, and yeah. she's doing her whole thing, getting into a bathtub full of milk. <laughs> yeah, man, bathing in milk and talking to chickens. She does all the stuff, and then she cuts the chicken's throat and braids some blood all over the photograph of Screwface. Yeah, and then she gets it all over her breast for some reason. Right. So she could touch herself. And then Screwface wakes up from it because he senses he's being interfered with. Yeah, man. Because he's... He's in touch. He's special. They set up this whole thing. like His, his whole Jamaican posse think that he's some kind of witch doctor himself. That he's, right. a, it's like a, he's a voodoo priest. Because when he kills his enemies, he absorbs their power. That's the whole setup there. There you go. Pretty complex. Yep. Especially for a Seagal movie. <laughs> Yeah, dude, wait, wait, way too much exposition. We're only 20 minutes in. I'm already getting overload. And I remember seeing this in the movie theater thinking, wait, what? 
I think I had seen Predator 2 before this, so I was already like, God damn it, you guys just stole the fucking villains from Predator 2. I have something new. Right. This is our third movie now uh, that we covered in the 90s stuff so far. And this is 1990. We covered two from 94. Yep. And yet they all seem to steal from pretty much the same two or three movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, Predator 2. Sure. The only movie that can complain theft from from Predator Two, right? The only movie that anybody ever said, "God, you know what would be awesome is if we just stole the villains from Predator Two was this one, Mark for Death." Nobody's seen it, so nobody's gonna know. And you know, I do like Predator Two. I love um, Predator Two. Yeah, me too. It's my it might be my favorite of the Predator movies. I like the fact that they didn't they didn't go back to the jungle. I love yeah. that. I love the fact you know. I like the crazy cast too, and the weird like. Yeah, by the way, and the Jamaicans you're talking about in the beginning of the movie are only in the they're basically the cold open. They're not they're not that's it. They're not you don't see them anywhere else. In Predator 2? Yeah. No, because there's the whole there's a sequence where they end up cutting off uh the, the bag the predator goes and he they're in a little bit more Oh than yeah, 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 yeah. I think because I think what I'm thinking is that everybody in that drug in that drug lab in the beginning, everybody gets dispatched, it seems like, and then you figure that's all of them. That's right, yeah, yeah. Right. This, I mean, this goes back to what we say in the previous episode where scripts, man, they always made their way around town, especially when you know that another production is doing something like what you're doing. Oh, yeah. So it's not surprising when you see these little things come up in another movie, but whatever. Hatcher and Max are, again, having their reunion at this club. And while they're there, both the Jamaican guys show up and a bunch of the Colombian dudes walk in. We're like, oh, maybe they're having a meeting. Maybe they're gonna, there's there's settlement. They're gonna go ahead and let's do this. Let's have our, let's make our deal, regardless of what happened with the with the sangria, right? With the sangria, just a little something going on here. <laughs> they're gonna put their differences aside. But as it turns out, no way, man. That's not what this is about. The Jamaicans are bum rushing, man. They're bum rushing the the Colombians. So the Jamaicans come out of nowhere. And just start spraying bullets and killing all these Colombians. <laughs> and this is right out of Year of the Dragon. <laughs> yes. Almost like the same, like, same point in the movie, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, good God, where's the fish tank? Right. <laughs> yeah, they borrow lots of stuff, but it's cool, man. If you're going to borrow a little bit for your stew, man, steal from, you know, steal from the cabinets of better filmmakers. Well, say this, though, about it. Yeah, they, they pilfer ingredients from here and there, but at least the story works from a to z it doesn't yeah. you don't feel like they're just wedging stuff in there for the sake no, no, of putting no, no, it no. in there no no they're using it the right way it's right. cool they're just paying homage and it's fine it's kind of fun i mean i always kind of appreciate when i pick out things you know this movie's got a lot of them in it but uh it does work from a to z you're correct and max is getting there he's helping get get patrons out of the place while of course Hatcher's like, you know what? I wish they would have just inserted the line, like, so much for retirement. <laughs> I wish Hatcher would have just said, hold my beer and just <laughs> hold my sangria and, and started fucking breaking arms and like slapping people in the face with broken pool sticks. It's so funny because he fights everybody the same way in this movie. And, and then his other movies, he does that similar hand to hand combat that he does. But in this one, he's, he's like extra brutal. Extra, it's the same move where he just kind of goes blop because he goes block and push, block and push. He really doesn't do anything. You see that yeah. a lot in the 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 
the department store fight later too, which is yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I'm like, do something, dude. <laughs> I feel like he's fighting. I feel like the first two movies were like the best. Like I feel like he like as far as like above the law and hard to kill, like this stuff it just looked different than anything we had seen so it's and it seemed so violent it was so quick and it was so there wasn't a lot of effort to it but by the time they got to marked for dead and then the next movie after this even more like they they kind of were making him go away from being that and just trying to be more of an action hero and shoot people and like his his they still were putting the fight pieces in but i felt like this movie had a lot less fighting than the other two the first two they're trying to turn him into an actor more than an action. Right. When you have that hand to hand stuff in this, it, it, but that's the thing is they, they, if you notice that they stay super wide, almost so you can see everybody. You can see feet. You can see oh, he- yeah. head to toe on this one, which was again, another unusual thing with his movies of showing everything. Usually you would just see it at best, you know, knee up or waist up just because his, his strengths are his, his hand to hand and not a, yeah. bi- a big kicker. <laughs> no, not a kicker. Which makes his running so funny in this movie, since that's his main weapon. It are his hands and his arms, but he runs around like a, you know, like a used car lot. Yeah, what are those things called? I don't know. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes, everybody. Don't worry. Put it. Put a picture of it in the show notes. Yeah, I'm gonna put a. I'm gonna pull an audio soundbite from Family Guy. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Jamaicans are spraying blood everywhere. He still gets a hand-to-hand with one of these guys, and actually he was able to arrest him or capture him or whatever he is since he's not uh, officially a DEA agent anymore. No. And this wasn't about drugs. <laughs> this is not about drugs. Well, no, he's in all. He just sees people getting shot up. No, this is just some people having disagreement at Yankee Doodles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was another thing, too. He had another moment, Hatcher, where he's got his arm, he got his hand on his boy Max's shoulder saying, let it go, man, let it go. Because the Jamaicans were dealing at the pool table just before the Colombians walked in. So they cut to this television news reporter doing a live shot from outside the club. Live feed from Yankee Doodles. And she's, and here comes some exposition telling us all about Chicago and the Jamaican posse. Posses. Like Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, small-town America now has blood in its streets as a gang shootout in Lincoln Heights tonight has left four dead. Although less than 1% of Jamaican immigrants are involved, Jamaican gangs known as posses... Jamaican gangs called posses. <laughs> Wait, didn't you just call them gangs? So ridiculous, dude. Posses. Posses. <laughs> Oh, good lord! Anyway, so cops are everywhere. They're they're inter intercutting with that, and the the Jamaican guy that Hatcher was able to catch, and the local PD is walking off with them. Right. I shouldn't say local PD because there's a sheriff. Yep. So it's really a sheriff's department. Whatever. Hatcher, what are you doing back here? Right. <laughs> and, and suddenly you're like, what the fuck? Danny DeVito's in this movie. <laughs> right. And everybody's so angry that he's home. Like, what did he do before? <laughs> Hey, man, it sounds to me like he was a great football player, and now you're all pissy at him because he left. Yeah, because he left. And then you realize it's not Danny DeVito. It's Kevin Dunn. <laughs> Kevin Dunn. <laughs> Playing Lieutenant Sal Rosselli. Because Sal, because that's, you, know, you got to have a Sal. Sal. You got to have a Sal Fuck. in a movie. <laughs> and it's easy to say, yo, Rosselli, suck yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those names. Okay, well, I wish you would have called him Sally. That would have been great. Dude, they missed opportunities. Right. This was 1990. Yeah. Sally. Sally. Yo, Sally. 
my favorite thing here is like so there's all these cops and you know there's a bunch of fuck there's news vans and there's fucking people giving eyewitness statements and all that crap and then suddenly a volkswagen bus pulls up (laughs) and a jamaican cop gets out (laughs) yeah right now he's standing there talking to the cops but still supposed to work undercover. I'm, I was never sure who he worked with. Was he was right. the sheriffs? Was he DEA? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of like based on what he was doing, and supposedly he's been trailing Screwface for like five years or something. Yeah, I kind of think he maybe just he said maybe he's Chicago PD. Maybe. Yeah, could be Charles. Yeah, that seems right. The Tom Wright playing the Charles, the uh, undercover Jamaican detective or whatever the shit he is. Yeah. Well, we'll find out later on. He ends up becoming an ally for for Max and for for Hatcher. Yeah, he's one of the good guys. One of the things that happens before they disperse from this the scene outside the club is Screwface's boy that that Hatcher captures starts threatening him. You don't know what you've done, man. You're screwed, man. You're told you crossed the line. <laughs> Bump clot. I did what? I didn't know the whole blood clot and bum clot thing. I I've heard it in stuff for years. You know. People, people throw that in there when they're doing their cheesy Jamaican accents, right? Oh, yeah. I never knew what it meant. I looked it up last night. I had no idea. What does it mean? It's just like calling somebody like a, a bastard. Blood clot. But, but like completely worse than that. There's no real. It's like one of those kinds of uh, uh, translations that doesn't really translate right. evenly to something else. Yeah. It's like calling a cigarette pistolero or a, or a, or a, or a Lucy. Right. Yo, man, give me one of them Lucy's. Yeah, yeah, give me one of them Lucy's. Give me, I got a blood clot. But, but, <laughs> but Screwface is not going to have it. Screwface is all about total domination. He's just kind of like, fuck all this stuff. Fuck all this stuff, man. Max drops off Hatcher at, at the mom's house, right? Oh, yeah. And then literally as soon as Hatcher gets in the house and we see Max turn the corner Screaming out of nowhere, here comes that four-door Beamer. Whoosh, shot, and they've got their guns out, and they're just spraying the house. Dude, just, it's 90s drive-by at its best. Right. Again, more lethal weapon. Yeah, totally. This is, a, <laughs> this, is a, this is a very 1990s lethal weapon. Is that lethal weapon one or two? No, that's the third one. The third one. Yeah, the third one, because I remember the whole cop stopper. Oh, the, the yeah, cop, yeah. The cop, cop killer. killer. Cop killer bullets. Yeah. Raj. Oh, never mind. Another movie for another day. <laughs> the whole house is going to spray with bullets and Hatcher has to tell everybody to get down. <laughs> right. Like they don't know. They don't they just know to get to the fucking floor. Oh, well, what's out the window? I know. I know it's the suburbs and everything, but man, if I hear gunshots, I'm still ducking. Yeah. Good God. Man. I, I don't need to have somebody tell me to do it. Although, you know, if I was wearing mom jeans like that, I might want to put myself right in the fucking middle of the window. Yeah, everybody, everybody wears mom jeans in this. No, they do. Except like his for sister, except, dude. Like, except for the Jamaicans. The Jamaicans are wearing uh, dude, what, the Jamaicans muscle the, muscle pants. They're wearing hammer pants. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> those those crazy. But I have to say, looking at them, they certainly wear the the hammer pants way better than anybody wears those mom jeans. Oh yeah. So the whole, whole place is getting sprayed. Obviously, here is Shani. Shani, baby. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Here comes Kate to walk around the corner. Carrying Daniel Harris. Daniel Harris with a, with a big red stain on her. And, I'm like, and then the look in his face. Seagal's got two looks in his face in his, his face in this movie. And any of his movies for that matter. Right. The one where he's just, just deep in thought. And the other one where he looks constipated. <laughs> 
But later on, when he's when he's having a face off between the the trash truck and the and, and the and the track and the the, oh, the, yeah, bulldozer, the bulldozer, he makes his face where he sticks out his his bottom lip like it's his boo boo lip. Like, oh no, how am I gonna get out of this? Mm. <laughs> mm. So, mm. so messed up, dude. Yeah, so, totally. So we cut to what's his name again? Damn it, the guy from Terminator Two. We cut to the hospital. So oh cut, yeah, the doctor. cut to the hospital and the and the doctor Tracy Terminator the, One and Two and Two and Three. He said all three. Yeah, he's one of those ones that dies, so he doesn't make it to salvation. Thank God. You're talking about Earl Bowen. Yeah, Doctor Stein. So he comes out to tell to tell Kate. My favorite and, line in the movie is right now. <laughs> go, you go ahead, six. I don't remember the line. Oh, well, he's like, look, Doc. You oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah, girl. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the best line in the movie, and we're not going to say it. I'm just going to insert it. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Doc. You treat this girl like she's the president of the United States, and money isn't a consideration. We treat all of our patients exactly. Let me tell you something. Like the president of the United States, okay? And it is the best line of the movie. By and, far. And not, and not only is it the best line of the movie, it's said twice. <laughs> For emphasis. So good. You got to say it twice. <laughs> we find out that Tracy is, is in critical condition and, and she's got a bandage on her head with blood coming out of it. And, yeah. he's, and he's telling her like, he's telling the family, oh yeah, she's got to have to have surgery to relieve the pressure. And I'm like, well, when Kate was carrying her, there was no blood. There was no like head wound that we could see, which was weird. Right. Yeah. So anyway, probably, you know, well. so this is where we get to see. Seagal's flailing arms aren't limited to his running. No, they are not. He and Max are walking down the hallway like, there's something. <laughs> I know you saw it when they're coming down the hallway and then Max is waiting for him. He does this thing where he kind of stops for like half a beat and then keeps walking like so for him to like walk with him. And he does this thing with his right arm like he was holding something and he's just like, like he's like he's a like he's throwing a bowling ball or something, dude. I was like, what in the world is wrong with him? <laughs> so like, weird. I, I was like, eh, okay, sure, whatever, man. Uh, I'm not sure what you're doing, but just do your thing. This is the moment where I'm realizing that this movie could really benefit from a live commentary, dude. This is such a riff tracks movie, big time, right? Good God, Reese was watching it with me, and she was like, she's like. Is this movie serious? <laughs> Even 1990, like, I was like, oh, what am I watching? Yeah, totally. So so they go after Jimmy Fingers because through yeah, some expo exposition earlier in the movie, we find out that Jimmy Fingers was actually uh, supplying guns, but he's also the middleman that hooked up the Colombians and the Jamaicans together. But we obviously know that it wasn't exactly a, a marriage made in heaven. But no, that's who Hatcher goes after. Hatcher and Max go after Jimmy Fingers himself. and. How do we get introduced to Jimmy Fingers? Well, Hatcher kicks down the door of some shithole hotel. Yeah. And, and there's two more sets of naked women. There's two yeah. more naked women. Because if you're not Daniel Harris, the mom, Kate, or Joanne Pacula, <laughs> you're naked in this movie. That's correct. <laughs> if you're if you're if you're on the wrong side of Seagal, you're naked. You're naked. If you're not with him, you're naked. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. <laughs> it's true though. It's like every woman that's not like a wholesome like mother or whatever is a prostitute. But this moment though, and it didn't hit me till just right now, when Hatcher comes in there and there's these hookers there, 
and it's just basically telling him to get out of here. It's like that moment in Robocop. Bitches leave. <laughs> no, hell, totally. It's, it's the exact same scene. Yeah, and totally. And 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 what made me laugh is that the t- the two hookers and and fingers they're all wearing the same panties. Right. <laughs> Interchangeable. Yeah, it's like, they they just put them back on. They're like, that nah, doesn't matter. Are those mine? Nah, doesn't I matter. always get a kick out of the fact that the only people that didn't know who Hatcher was in this world were screw facing his crew before that. Yeah, but like totally. as soon as Finger sees him, he's like, "Oh, Hatcher, Hatcher, you devil! <laughs> what are you doing back?" He went to the other high school. He was another football. He's player a cross town rival. <laughs> cross town rival from Humptown High. <laughs> Oh no, was he from like New Jersey to make the crack that he kicked him out of Atlantic City? They kicked him out of Atlantic City, so he came here when he was a kid, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, who knows? I don't know, man. I'm just saying, how come the Jamaicans don't know who Hatcher is? They didn't do their homework. Right. He's DEA, man. <laughs> they deal with, come on. They deal in the brand new thing called rock cocaine. If they could have rock cocaine, if they would have just hooked up with Busey, they'd have gotten the whole list and they'd have known about Hatcher and they'd have killed him in his sleep somewhere. Maybe. That's what's wrong. But they had, they couldn't wait four years. Yeah, this all happened before that. That's a bummer for them. For them. Poor screw face. For us. For us, it's easy. I just piece it all together in my own timeline. Fingers doesn't down for this, so pulls out a gun and Hatcher dispatches him with a bullet in the head. And then out of the bathroom. Yeah, what was that guy? Was he like just sitting, was he in there filming the whole thing or jerking off? No, like, man. I was like, where the hell did this guy come from? And he's wearing like that 1980s black and red Adidas uh Break Tra- yeah, tracksuit outfit. Yeah, yeah. That's the best. His name's Nesta. He was one of the new- yeah, Nesta. His name's Nesta. <laughs> Nesta. Nesta, and he was pulling a total Marvin from Pulp Fiction, hiding in the bathroom. Yeah, right. Well, not Marvin. Uh, Alexis Arquette. Anyway, so Nesta's not giving up Screwface. Even as soon as like John mentions him, he's like, "Ah, uh, Screwface, good to kill me a thousand times, man. You know, fuck you. You will find him yourself." And jumps out the window. Dude, that's a great fall too. It is a great fall. It's a pretty decent landing, too, considering he's probably... Right out of Lethal, right out of lethal Weapon right, would have made Amanda Hunsecker happy. Right out of Lethal Weapon. Yep. Cue the David Sanborn saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, dude, this movie this movie just begs for this. I'm sorry. It does. I mean, Drop Zone, we were pretty good, I thought. We didn't get... But this is... Uh, yeah, like, but I think just... we... But other than... With Drop Zone, other than the terrible green screen... It's yeah. enjoyable. It's an enjoyable movie. This is not. <laughs> no, it's it's this movie, and this movie is very. It's, it's pretty short, and it goes by quickly. But there's just so much like yeah. There's so many stupid things in this movie. Yep, Hatcher notices some weird ass symbol right on a carpet. Yeah, some weird thing it looks like a one of the. It looks like the thing they put in Chekhov's ear in Wrath of Khan. Like what the fuck is that on the floor? So we, Khan is coming, right? I think so. He gets hooked up with uh, Joanna Pacula, who plays a uh, Leslie Davalos. Uh, she's supposedly a detective for, for Chicago PD, but most importantly, she's a gang expert and Jamaican voodoo expert. Yeah, from Poland, right? Which which makes sense if you're in Chicago. There's a lot of Polish people. It's I don't have any problem with that. But her accent is kind. Of, her accent's pretty thick in this movie. It is, and I was like, which is weird, right? And I don't remember it being like that. Well, it's funny because I had just watched Gorky Park and she's the female protagonist who's trying to get out and th- that whole convoluted story. Right. But um, but her accent is like thicker in this, I think, than it was in Gorky Park. It's weird. Which is completely bizarre. Which is right, because she's playing a Russian in Russia. So we find out this blood symbol is just, you know, how, how criminals mark their crimes. 
I'm like, well, okay, well, duh. You've been marked <laughs> for death. Yeah, we, we already know that. That means <laughs> it's funny, and it's almost like and I don't recall if there's an ex, if there's actual some dialogue that says this, but this is when this is when Hatcher decides he's coming out of retirement to help Max battle against Screwface. Right. And all this it took it took us all this for him to make up his mind. Right, him drawing he's already killed people. Right, him drawing his gun. He's drawing in a club, wasn't his call to arms right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm still retired. All right, now I'm not. So while he's still with this expert, she calls Melissa. A sister. Ah, the sister's name's Melissa. Yes. Not Kate. Who's Kate? I don't know. Is his mom? Must be his mom. Maybe. Yeah, it doesn't, eh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, he gets a call from us. He calls his sister. He calls his sister. At the house. Marta. Yeah. <laughs> it wakes her up. Let's just keep changing her name. Yeah. Who's who's uh, who's okay in the... This girl, this actress is okay in the movie. But when she wakes up from her nap, it's almost like like it's the rehearsal take or something. Yeah. Like, right? It like, doesn't seem very believable. <laughs> no. It was like they went. They just went like, let's roll the rehearsal. Okay. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. That was pretty good. We'll give you one more. And then they didn't. <laughs> right, so so Hatcher says to her, like, "Hey, check outside and see if that uh that security detail that the that the sheriff department put out in front of a house since the house got shut up. See if they're still there." She goes and looks, and the car's there, but there's nobody in it. And then he's like, "Oh shit! <laughs> oh no! Boom! Get upstairs <laughs> and on the floor." <laughs> and there's a break in, man. Yeah, man. Right out of Hard to Kill. Oh yeah. Difference is that he's not there for to watch it happen. Correct. Because in Hard to Kill, he's there. They invade his house and kill the wife and Hard to Kill. Hard to Kill. Hard to Kill. Talking about the frizz on his ponytail. <laughs> Hard to Kill the frizz. Because, yeah, because it's what made him decide to grow the ponytail out. Because he, uh, just, had, it's he, tight. he just had curls or whatever in the in above the law. And then Hard to Kill, yeah. all of a sudden, oh, I'm just going to grow my hair out. And you get to Mark for Death and it's like, damn, man, which vertebra does that touch in his back? Yeah, right? I mean, now he looks like he's, it's, you know, he's, he's, yeah, it's this bad. It's weird. Well, but people have always looked at it it's like, oh, that's his trademark. I go, but it really wasn't a thing until the second. Not until Billy Ray Cyrus came along. <laughs> Achy, breaky heart. Um, it was about the same time, I guess. Yeah, 1990. Sure. Yeah. So, Atcher knows that Melissa's is, you know, is going to be about to get murdered. <laughs> so, what does he do? He hops into his Mustang and hauls ass to the house. Didn't think they're like, you know, call the sheriff or anything like that. Say, hey, a couple of your cops are dead. All you have to do is say that, right? Man down, right? I don't know why Hatcher just doesn't call at all. Like, call the police and just say, because of man down, because if, if the car's out there, there's no cops, they're dead. Yeah. I love how they just don't even talk about the fact. <laughs> Dude, what makes me laugh is the fact that Kevin Dunn has disappeared from this movie. Right. After you, the last time you see him in front of the house, when he's making sure that there's going to be you know, a security detail in front of the house for secu- you know, for for protection. That's the last time you see him. No, don't you see him like when they when they're looking at the dead body on the car, right? Or is that before that? Yeah, somewhere around there, you never see him again. It just becomes like a three man operation. Yeah, R- Rasta cop, Max, and uh, Hatch. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Yeah, like they ran out of money for Den. They're like, ah, you know, this is we're kind of out of date. Let's fucking just get rid of him. We don't need him. No one's gonna remember him. I'm going to think it was Dan DeVito. So he gets to the house in time to save her life. But I don't think he, I don't think Screwface was ever going to kill her. Cause he basically saying to her, ah, that's one, I, I don't want your, I don't, I don't want your life. I just want your dreams. Like he was just going to, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to kill her. If he was just going to, cause he says like, I control you now. 
You know, he he makes some kind of reference to the fact that just going to torture her back through, you know, through her dreams and everything. Yeah. I think he was just, I think he was just, uh, you know, yeah. Fake zombies. Like the serpent (laughs) in the rainbow. (laughs) Fake zombies. Anyway, as soon as he gets there, all the Jamaicans peace out. And that's that. Yeah, man. It's gone. The next day, uh, John Max are they're following Screwface's henchmen around, trying to you know, get some more information on them and so they can take him down. And this is one of those times too where Hatcher is in the driver's seat of Max's truck. Yeah. Which is I don't get it. As soon as that beamer we've already seen in the movie that did the drive by shows up at this park where it meets up some other Jamaican guys that are at the park, you know, Hatcher taps Max's shoulder to like as if he was sleeping because he wasn't. <laughs> What what was Max doing that he didn't notice? I mean, we're sitting right here and we're looking at this park and what made him like look somewhere else? I don't know, but he taps him on the shoulder a bunch of times and says, ah, look at that. So they roll up on him. What, is, what the hell is Hatcher say to the Jamaican dude driving? The guy says, hey, you want to buy some crack? He's like, yeah, I want to buy some crack. I'm going to yeah. crack your ass. And yeah. he fucking puts a gun in his face, <laughs> which I didn't know. Oh, I no, like, oh, no, no. I, I, I know what it was. <laughs> He goes, hey, man, you want some blow? He goes, I want some blow. I'm going to blow your face off. Yeah, that's what he says. (laughs) It works the other way, too, man. Whatever. (laughs) Except for cracking your ass is a little bit weird. It is. Well, you know, this is a weird movie, so. It is a weird movie. It's Jamaicans, dude with ponytails that run like, uh, you know, wind machines. It's weird. And you get that classic moment anytime a gun comes out of nowhere where the partner goes, Hatch, look out! Because a shotgun comes out of the back seat window. And I'm like, why is that? Like, he's not paying attention to it. Dude, you're the one that was sleeping like 30 seconds before that I had to wake you up. Now you're the one pointing out to me, the guy pulled out a shotgun in a direction I'm actually looking. I don't need you to tell me what's going on. Yeah, thanks, Max. Max is feeling guilty for falling asleep. Max is writing up plays on a chalkboard and he's fucking, oh, wait, hold on. Oh, wait, Matt, look at Alan Hatch. Halfback option. It's the first time he'd been off campus during the day in like 20 years. <laughs> he's too busy throwing shade at the Jamaicans in his parking it's lot. It's a whole new world. Yeah, totally. Gunfire opens up and the Jamaicans take off and we get an amazing, fun car chase with, with the BMW in. Bronco slash Ram, whatever the crap it is. Yeah. Dodge Power Wagon, Ram 5000. Through the streets of Chicago. No, it's Los Angeles. Yeah, man. I mean, there's a, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at, they're downtown somewhere like near Echo Park. I'm like, I know that skyline and those palm trees. Right. They're probably about seven or eight minutes from Staples Center where where this car chase is happening. Absolutely. This pursuit's pretty nutty, and there's there's like restaurants that have patio seating and everything. And I'm like, well, that's just done for this movie because back then they most certainly weren't serving up stuff in Los Angeles right there on the streets. Anyway, the whole the whole sequence is it's a decent car chase, but it's just weird. Yeah, it's but it good. but it ends with a beamer flying through the window of a department store. Yes, it does. Inside the department store, they, this is where we have a little throwdown between. Seagal and all the Jamaicans. All hand-to-hand combat once all the shooting stops. <laughs> Finally. Anybody can yeah. shoot a gun. I need some hand-to-hand. All that gun shit went on far too long, man. I was just like, God damn it. Just start fighting. It went way too long. You're not if you're not sh- if you're not hitting anybody when you're shooting, then let's just, you know, let's just get on with the fighting. That's what we paid to see. Right. The robbery scene from Dragged Across Concrete, this is not. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> Nobody gets hit in this movie with a bullet. Well, not in this scene anyway. Not in this scene. This is where Hatcher beats ass, hand-to-hand combat, breaks some more limbs. <laughs> because, because it's a new fighting scene, and so that means he has to break bones. I mean, that's it, though, man. All the shoppers are running away. and All the stunt people are running away <laughs> from the uh, shutdown bullet. He, it's funny, man. It's another one of those things. It's kind of like it reminded me of uh, the, the bit and drop zone. It wasn't quite as bad. But when he's smashing that Jamaican through those jewelry counters. Yes. They are obviously, you know, they're fake. Right. (laughs) The inside of the counters aren't painted like uh, you can see the raw material. But hey, man, whatever. They probably, you know, could have fixed that with a little better editing. But this movie's not about that. The vibe that I get is that that they decide at the last moment, let's put the camera on the dolly on this side of the the counter. Yeah, totally. I had a feeling it was probably set up to be on the other side, which is why why the crew didn't paint the other side. Right. You can't have, I mean, construction doesn't fuck up like that. They only do what they're asked to do. Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, you, you have to anticipate that kind of shit. And that's yeah. kind of a drag because it happens. But anyway, uh, that's a pretty good fight. It's pretty, it, you know, again, it's pretty brutal once they get to it and they, you know, stop all the silly gunplay. Right. <laughs> you know, and then it becomes like that. That's what we came to see them. That's what we came to the movie for. Right. I want to see Steven Seagal fuck people up and break bones. And he breaks a couple bones. With with minimal running, please. Yes, less running, more breaking of bones. <laughs> it's on my Christmas list. I, I'd rather have you drive to wherever you gotta go instead of watching you run. If you're gonna if you gotta fight, have fight five different fights in the movie, I want you to drive a car five times. Yeah, drive to those fights. I don't need to I don't need you pursuing anybody. You'd be less tired too. And the reason why they do this is to elongate the movie. Can you imagine though if they did everything on foot? I mean on, uh, in the car. This movie would be like 10 minutes shorter. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Leslie starts telling Hatcher, like, you know what? The only way you're going to be able to stop the Jamaican posse is to kill Screwface. Yeah, man. You got to murder Screwface. I don't like, wait, did a police officer say the only reason you're going to beat him is to kill the guy? So every, so all his posse thinks that you're the one with all the spiritual power? I'm like, yeah. You you're telling me I got to murder somebody. Well, see, then you know what it does. That this is the point where it's like marked for death. Now who's marked for death, motherfucker? Screwface. Yeah, Screwface. <laughs> yeah, it seems like the rat. Look, all the rest of the cops are gone in Chicago. They've all just gone on vacation at the same time. So there's only one cop. It's the Jamaican cop, and these guys. And they're like, hey, look, man, we just got to kill Screwface. It's what happens. It's like you know, it's kill or be killed. Right. No, and then once they realize that this is John's only way of dealing with this, he leaves Leslie's house and or apartment, whatever crap it was. He's gonna, he's just heading home, but he gets detoured because there's construction going on in the middle of the night for some reason. Always. But I love, by the way, I love when he gets stopped and kind of like his motion to go around. How he angrily peels out. Right. <laughs> like, what are you so angry about? That's the only real moment in the whole movie. <laughs> just, and then he gets stuck. And the truck they had to go around is now behind him. And the bulldozer in front of him comes over and said, this gets sandwiched between this truck and bulldozer. The dozer. Dozer. But now they pull wide and you can see there's a, there's a Jamaican man driving that truck behind him. You don't see that initially. And now I'm like, oh, I thought was going on. And it starts crushing the crap out of him. He can't go anywhere. He can't get out. He, once he starts getting crushed, the doors get get basically cemented together and he can't get out the bulldozer all the way across the hood of the car through the front windshield and basically preventing him from climbing out of the vehicle 
Oh yeah, he's bone. And he's fighting. By the way, I the way he's frantically like patting, not punching, not making any oh, real, real strong effort to kick a door open. He's like patting it, checking it to see if it's hollow or not. I don't know. It's weird. Right. Seeing if it's a breakaway. Is right. this a breakaway? Oh, son of a bitch. I'm not so strong after all. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm too tall. I'm too long. I'm too long, you guys. My legs are too long. So are my arms. <laughs> my legs with, are too long. My, with my King Louis arms. I, <laughs> I want to be like you, man, Cub. Get me the <laughs> fuck out of here. And he's laid on the floor trying to get out. And I'll go up walk Screwface. Yeah. What, I want you to meet my sister, goddess of fire. And he drops a Molotov cocktail in the back Dude, of the car. Right. This is where Screwface makes the ultimate Bond villain mistake. And he should have just shot Hatcher in the face. Right. Because that's about all that he could see anyway. He could have just shot him in the face. Or or if he wanted to keep his. Or if he wanted to keep his sister employed. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> what is a bomb if it doesn't explode, John? See that? See what I did? Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh, I gotcha. Uh-huh. But if he can feel a bit true to his character, he could have just taken out his samurai sword and stuck him in the face or the Dude, chest totally. or something. Cut his head off. He always has that staff with him. Why not? It's always with him. Cheesy. It's not just for walking. Well, because you know why? This wasn't the time. It wasn't. Well. And who knows? Maybe the time will come. And somehow his fat ass is able to climb out that front windshield, that little gap. Finally, I guess the fire was like, oh, it's well, gonna, I guess I better get out of here. At least the stuntman could fit through it. Right. I got to get out of here. Yeah, because, you know, Steven Seagal, four years from now, from this movie, is not going to be able to do that. Yeah, the Ender Siege 2, uh, Steven Seagal couldn't even get out of a train car. I mean, I always got to kick out the fact that Under Siege, he was a cook. I'm like, really? You're implying that he likes to eat? Oh, I you know weird thing, man. I've never seen Under Siege it's, one. It's not bad, but I've seen Under Siege two. It's just like like it's like it was pitched as Die Hard on a battleship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I just I don't know why. I think there's a, I don't know. There's some weird reason I've never seen it. I don't know. I'm gonna try to catch it one of these days because it yeah. looks like it could be fun. Yeah. I, I kind of enjoy the second one, and I know it's not very good. The Catherine Hahn play the daughter. Catherine Heigl. Yeah, Heigl. Totally. I, mean, mm-hmm. I said I can't say Catherine Hahn because Catherine Hahn's on my. On my brain, because she did a voice on something we just watched. Yeah, no, Ka- yeah, Ka- Kevin Heigl is the uh, daughter on uh, in the uh, second Undersea. But is I think Le- Erica Leniak is the female lead in the first one. Yeah, yeah, she comes out of the cake. Yeah, there's weird. This is that's another reason I should have seen this movie. What's funny is she's she's not playing herself, and yet she's playing a Playboy playmate that comes comes out of the cake. But was she in ET in the movie? Was she the little girl that Elliot kissed? No. Yep. There you have it. She was what required Elliot. To stand on the fat kid. <laughs> yeah, dude. That was all a bunch of weird shit. She wasn't a very nice girl even then. Right. It's terrible. Terrible. Poor Elliot. And then Elliot using his buddy as a stepping stool. This is it. Hatcher's had enough. Enough. He meets up with a with a weapons dude, right? He's like, dude, I want to get me some guns. But before that, his boy Charles shows up. There, Here's the mighty trio of Charles, Max, and Hatcher. And you're like, hey, we're going to take it to Screwface. I'm like, right on, man. Kick ass. Dude, yeah, totally. If they go and meet the weapons dealer and they get a bunch of guns and everything, and you know, Hatcher's having a good time talking to his former alcoholic buddy. <laughs> his old drinking buddy. <laughs> but I don't recall when it happens and when it's said, but Charles informs Max and Hatcher that Screwface has gone back to Jamaica. Damn him. So I can't remember if, I'm pretty sure it's before they get the guns. And I'm thinking, okay, this is nineteen ninety. Is it really that easy to get guns into another country? 
you're DEA, it is. You're thinking this the whole time. Oh, well, we're hiding handguns inside of uh, camera, inside of TV, ca- television cameras. Yeah, because that's what we do. <laughs> when they show up, you see all the you see all the weapons that they buy, right? And yes. you're like, well, how are they gonna? How much? Gear, how are they gonna use them all? How are they taking all that gear to Jamaica? How many guys? Yes, how many guys are going with me? Is what I was thinking. Are they buying for? So there's like six more team members <laughs> we haven't seen somewhere. But before they head out to Jamaica and after they buy all their weapons, we get a little montage of them testing all the gear out. Oh, yeah. But really what we're seeing is Hatcher and his metal lathe <laughs> making silencers for a couple of guns. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this meet my silent partner. <laughs> meet my silent partner, screw face. My silent partner. Whisper in the ear from this girl goes a long way, you know what I'm saying? And what a waste of a side of beef, by the way. Yeah, man. That could have fed everybody on the crew. Probably did. And part of this month, you're watching him do his own loads, right? How many do you think he expended just shooting that gun into the side of beef? All of them. All of them. <laughs> All of them. Because we know. I mean, how many do you think he actually hit the side of beef? He sprayed that beef good. Yeah, man. So anyway, so they, off to Jamaica they go, and they arrive in Jamaica. Yeah, this is where the movie loses all credibility with yeah. me based on the outfits <laughs> that were chosen to wear. It's terrible. There's a lot of assumption between two scenes. The one scene where Max and Charles are meet up with this informant, right? And he, he gives him a bunch of money and he tells him where Screwface is and not where he is, but where this, this finds this woman and this woman will help you out. And she's really well acquainted with, with Screwface and she knows about him. They, they cut to her dancing because you just see a still photo before that. Next time you see her, she's dancing in some nightclub and there's John walking in there. I'm like, right. And Jimmy Cliff's on the stage. And Jimmy Cliff's with a great, with, you know, looking, looking good and sounding good. And here, I thought we were, I thought my TV had jumped to live and let die at this point. <laughs> Right? I mean, yeah. I was waiting for a chair to open in the floor. and Like, what the fuck is going on? I was a little disappointed. And this is that, that weird connection that we're supposed to make between John recognizing what she looks like and just assuming that the photo got showed to him. Right. I, I don't know why. I don't know why he wasn't in that scene. Maybe Seagal wouldn't come out of his trailer. I don't know. It is weird. Right. I, it would have made more sense to have seen, you know, Charles and, and Hatcher together and have Max, you know, taking a nap back at the hotel and i don't know but you know he sees her across the room and he's got this big goofy smile on her face and on his face and he's just enjoying her dancing around and looking all hot and everything and when he sit down and have a conversation he finds out from her that Screwface killed her sister and basically tells him where all his hangouts are and where he lives more about his mansion and all that and crap. another thing and here's where he buys his shoes and his cool pants yeah she yeah. gives him all that shit yeah and then she gives him a super cryptic clue at the end of their meeting together. The secret of Screwface's power is he has two heads and four eyes. <gasps> well, that ain't cryptic. He's a twin. <laughs> right here, it turned into a Jean-Claude Van Damme yes. subplot. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, oh, there's two of them. Great. Two marks for death. <laughs> two marks. Yeah, I got it. 
but everybody's a little, but they're all still a little dense because it, it takes them like they don't get it. And oh, not till the end anyway. Then they get it really good. Yeah. At least Charles does. <laughs> Poor bastard. Poor Charles. You should just stay in Chicago. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I know I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but you know, Charles would have re hooked up with them. They got back from Jamaica with, and everything. So he still would have been, he still would have been at that meeting anyway. He probably still would have died. Oh, shit. Yeah. Did I say that out loud? Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Everybody knows what's coming. <laughs> Somebody has to die. It's called Mark for Death for a reason. Yeah, somebody's dying. <laughs> a few people. So it's it's nighttime now. We see John Max and Charles <laughs> in terrible, terrible disguises. Dude, I mean, good <laughs> God. It's like a fucking Scooby-Doo outfit. It's so ridiculous. Hey, here, put on this mustache and that fun wig. <laughs> They're having some kind of party, and it's pretty nutty, right? <laughs> it is, man. They're kind of like hiding in the bushes and then hatch your stunt double. Starts, starts going through and, and uh, on top of the building, and he's crying across roofs, and he's setting up bombs. <laughs> What's he's that? doing all the dirty work. He says he sets up a bomb. Well, you know what? He's the most qualified. One guy's a Chicago cop, and the other one's a football coach. I mean, what do you? Yeah, and they were all in nom together. Well, not well, Charles. Yeah. Yeah. Char- yeah. yeah, Charles is. Uh, what's his face from Dyer going? I was in junior high, dickhead. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Grandel Bush. <laughs> More diehard references. Yeah, totally. Come on. Max and Charles are just sitting in the bush keeping lookout <laughs> while John's did all the work. And I don't know why they should just have been having them play rock, paper, scissors or something because they weren't doing anything. No, man. They were doing nothing. And uh, Hatch takes out his detonator and blows up the building. I love how the immediate reaction for his henchmen is to close those two big French doors. <laughs> he close, closes the doors. I'm like, did he just... Immediately closed the doors, but didn't show a lot of uh, urgency when he did it. Nope. It was just like, it was like, the all right, everybody out of here. Let's, hey guys, close the doors. But then we got this eruption of, of gunfire everywhere from both sides. And like, you know, there's not a lot going on from the, the Max, Charles and Hatch side of things. Cause there's only three dudes, but. Well, he also shot all those bullets at that side of beef. Yeah. Waste a lot of ammo. With his silent partner. <laughs> Can't hear it. Doesn't mean it's not happening, Corey. Did you notice, though, when the main gun that Max is using, what gun is, he, is Max using? Is it like a Gatling gun? Yeah, he's using that Rambo gun. That, yeah, it's like a it's like an that, M60. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm like, well, what the hell was that in Chicago? Yeah, well, it's, a, it's a bit heavy for Chicago. Right, and you didn't hide that in a tripod leg. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, Kirby. <laughs> so ridiculous, dude. But you never see the silent partner because you know why? Because Hatch shot all the he shot yeah. all the rounds. Done. He's, a, he's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go pick him out of that side of beef. Reloads. Screw face right away is like, oh shit. Stuff's going down, man. So John gets into the building and he he's just like he's disposing of dudes left and right because, you know, he's John Hatcher, former DEA. Unretired, but he unretired, but he's still not working for the DEA. He's not official. No. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been allowed to go down there, I don't think. Nope. They would have never sanctioned that mm-hmm. kind of thing because that's like a hit. And we don't do that. So he, he finds the sacrificial area because, you know, this is all about voodoo and everything. And he and then a bunch of henchmen, like, capture him. And they start to use leather straps to tie into some platform, right? <laughs> right. Suddenly, it's turning into a witchboard or spellbinder. <laughs> spellbinder. And then John just, like, breaks. He just manages to break free of these weak straps that he... <laughs> Yeah, man, they look like they've been sat out in the sun for four years. 
Then he starts beating ass of these henchmen. And then next thing you know, he's having a face off a screw face and they're having a sword fight. Yeah. I mean, a real sword fight with like real swords, not like. Yeah, that. not that other kind of sword fight. This isn't Heather's. <laughs> That's correct. It isn't. Thank God. They have a big old fight and it ends with John taking out Screwface. Boom. Chops off his head. Ch- dude, and pretty easy, too. Like, yeah, like, I was like, screw for all that bullet. You I mean, dude, you're going to carry a sword, Screwface? You don't know how to use it. That's all I'm saying. Half-assing it. I remember in a movie theater, like, I have my G-Shock watch on. I'm like, wait, this can't be over yet. Right. <laughs> it's like a minute and 20, too. So like Hour that, and 22 <laughs> minutes. I'm like, what the hell happened? All right, well, whatever. Cut back to Chicago in VW van again. Here we are. Everybody, like, yep, the door opens, cloud of smoke, and out comes Eric Stoltz and Anthony. Oh, wait, wait, I'm sorry. Hold on. Wrong movie. Right. <laughs> sorry. Here's the trio, right? And Charles is all high-fiving each other and we're, shit. We're so, so special. <laughs> we're awesome. And they set up this terrible joke where he says, did you tell them what I told you to tell them? Yes. And they said exactly what you said they were going to say when I told them what you told me to say. And he looks at Max and says, 10 bucks. And he goes, it's not over yet. I'm like, what the hell is that? It ain't over yet. Oh, you know what it is? It's the dollar bet. It happens in the background, Die Hard. Again, now we're making, we're taking, it did, there was like no reason for it. No, none at all. Anyway, so they go inside of the Jamaican headquarters, which we saw before. And they go in there and say, hey, you know what? Your reign's over. Because you're all, you're Get the hell out of my country or I'm going to kill you all. And he goes, Screwface is dead. Like, oh, no, Screwface isn't dead. Um, That's where he gives his John Wayne speech. Right. (laughs) Charles pulls out Screwface's head out of his bag. And everybody's like, oh, my gosh, they're freaking the hell out. Like, Screwface is really dead. (gasps) Oh, my gosh, it's Screwface's head. Screwface, man, he's dead. His head is in a bag. They're slowly the three, the trio slowly backing out of the room, which is really funny because it's when they're threatening to kill everybody. Everybody's got their guns drawn and they're backing out. I was just waiting for somebody to say, fuck white powder maw and slam that fucking head down on the table. <laughs> wow. But as Charles backing up, this blade comes from inside his body through his stomach. <laughs> they punch in and here's Screwface. Still alive. Back from the dead. And then all his posse is freaking out. Oh, no. All magical, powerful Screwface. The magic of Screwface. The magic. Hey, remember now, this is the secret of Screwface's powers that he has two heads and four eyes, meaning he's a twin brother. Now, I don't know who couldn't figure that out. It wasn't very cryptic. (laughs) Nope, certainly was not. No one ever accused these guys of being geniuses. But I got to say... I wanted, I didn't get to take a chance to see who built the sculpt or the mold or whatever for the head for Screwface, but they nailed it, man. It's really yeah. good. Oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, totally. It's good prosthetic head. Same one from Predator 2. Right? <laughs> exactly. You know what? It, the prop guy is all about reuse of props, man. <laughs> just keep the, just, hey, look, is there any other movies that needs this head? Maybe. He just treats it like beer. He just keeps renting out the same thing for other movies. Yeah. So guns get drawn. Place getting sprayed, but now Seagal's going after Screwface or the brother or whichever it is. Whatever, man. I think he killed the. I think the brother was the one he killed first in Jamaica because he wasn't a very good sword fighter. No, man. How do you get a head through customs? Is my question. But never mind for another day. I I think there's some exposition that was cut. I think the intentionally. What you got in there, sack of assholes, sir? Oh, just come on through. Smells like a sack of assholes, son. (laughs) Oh my god. 
No. I, I I think there might be something that was cut out of there. Maybe Screwface let some information out to make them think that he actually did go back to Jamaica. Yeah. Just so they know where he was at. Right. There was something extra there. But yeah. Anyway, so there's a pretty good fight, uh, sword fight, and just in general fight with Screwface and Hatcher going back and forth. I'm like, oh, so you know, this guy knows how to use a sword. Yeah. Well, this brother does. This this is the real Screwface. This is Screwface. So they're going at it. It's a good, really good fight. There's again, by the way, there's some more bones being broken in the scene. Oh yeah, uh, fingers, arms. You know, uh, blades across faces. Yeah, there's some good stuff in there. See, it's funny because I, I was like looking at the rundown on it, and somebody was talking about it being Screwface's twin brother. I'm like, no, man. It's no, the twin brother got off in Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, Screwface he's... never left to go back to no, Jamaica. No, 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 not not at all. But something happens in this fight that Hatcher has with Screwface, and I'm always screaming at movies why this doesn't happen more because I know for one fact, I know it is a move that is in almost every form of martial arts fighting, and that's thumbs in the fucking eye. Oh, yeah, man. I can't recall any other movie where it was used before this, you know, in, in the way that it's used. And like, I'm not talking about Friday the 13th movie. I'm talking about in a fight and you're getting choked out or whatever. And like, and all you got is your hands and your close proximity to your assailant. Thumbs in the eye, dude. I don't care how, how strong you are compared to the person you're fighting. It's like the knee, man. Kick him in the knee. They're going down. Shove your thumbs in someone's eye. What, what else are they going to do to you? So he shoves his thumbs in his eyes. Picks him up, breaks his back. Oh, dude, yeah, totally. <laughs> Snaps his back. Tosses him down an elevator shaft. When he And he hits a few things on the way down. Yeah, it was funny, too. If you, which, But how are his arms flailing? That's like, you know exactly what I, mean? what I was going <laughs> to say. I mean, oh, good. Because I was like, oh, is that is that bullshit or what? <laughs> no, no. It's just Seagal Stuntman, again, thinking that it's he's running. Seagal. Yeah, Seagal with this baby. <laughs> Everybody doing the Seagal. It's like the oak tree. Any- oak tree. <laughs> the oak tree. <laughs> no one will get that but you and I, but that's okay. More stay, people. All right. Google that shit. Yes. So as he's, he's falling down the elevator shaft, flailing arms for some reason. Don't know why. And he's hitting the, hitting the side a little bit, but he gets impaled at the bottom with uh, when he hits the spring of... <laughs> Of the elevator shaft. Right. I mean that that bolt that he fucking impels him on is like it's like it's like as wide as round as a coffee can. <laughs> right. And it's it's really weird when it happens. How does the elevator hit the bottom of the shaft with that thing not come through the floor? It's supposed to right, exactly. The whole job of that of that uh contraption at the bottom is to provide some kind of break or some sort of safety uh right. default. Not punch the floor and like killing somebody. <laughs> Because there's no way that that's not going to come through the floor of an elevator. Oh, absolutely not. I, that's the first thing I thought of. Well, I lost you. I lost you. So Screwface is at the bottom of the elevator shaft, and the doors are open down there, and all of his henchmen are looking over him going, oh, and see their dead boss, and they're basically going, well, that's that, you know? <laughs> and, of course, we forgot about the amazing soundbite from our boy Hatcher. I sure hope they they weren't triplets because, you know, that's important. Movie ends with them in the alley and John's carrying Charles' body. Obviously, he's still dead. He's not moving, so we're just assuming he's dead, dead. And Max is limping next to him. Man, I didn't see Max doing a damn thing in that last, <laughs> that last breakout fight, but whatever. So that was Mark for Death. 
Yeah, man. You, Crazy. We dropped out a little bit right there and we realized that we we're going to do trying to figure out what we we're picking up just to kind of round out the episode because we had some technical difficulties. But we realized, though, we basically finished the movie. Yeah. And at least I about mean, as much time as we want to use to give Stephen Seagal his time around. Especially the end of the movie. Yes. We, you know how it ends. It kills everybody. And you could tell though we had we had a fun time talking about it. I mean, we weren't we <laughs> totally. weren't we weren't very complimentary towards it, but it's definitely a good time. I would say it was a fun movie. I mean, I was it as you know, it's exactly what it was when I saw it. It wasn't my favorite cigar movie when I saw it, uh, but you know, it was entertaining and it had some fun shit in it. Uh, you know, it's goofy and you know, there you go. That's it is what it is. There's so much Steven Seagal out there, and that's what we chose. Yeah. Because, I mean, what other 90s movies could we have chosen? I mean, really, we're kind of, like, limited. I mean, his the only the things that we would choose from him really are kind of under, that, Under Siege, uh, Out for Justice, and... On Deadly Ground. Yeah, right, which he directed, which, you know, might be hilarious to watch. I, I still think we should, because Michael Kai. Yeah, no, totally. I'm totally down. And him playing, like, a Native American Eskimo or whatever. <laughs> Perfect. Doesn't get any better than that. Nope. So if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Corey on Twitter at Corey Culp or the official at Karate Pod or on Letterboxd at Corey underscore Culp or Patreon at patreon.com slash K-I-T-G podcast. If you want to follow Freddie, you can follow me at Raven Shattuck on the Twitter, Rock and Roller 33 on your Instagram or Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs>